We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, the Steelers are coming to town on New Year's Day in Baltimore. And the NFL knows that it's big time because they flexed it for prime time viewing over the nation. It is the seven and eight Steelers at, of course, the Ravens, who are 10 and five. And Bobby, of course, the Ravens are busting out their all black uniforms for this. So this is a big prime time game. So many things at stake. I'm Sarah Ellison alongside my co-host, Bobby Trossett. Welcome into the vault. Bobby, we got so much to break down on this game coming up ahead. But first, we do want to address some news updates on Lamar Jackson. We had addressed some rumors about Lamar Jackson in our Thursday morning Ravens vault. And a couple hours into Thursday morning, a new report surfaced. So it's time to address this again, partner. The news cycle has been pretty vicious and intense lately. I feel like that's just been the case all season long for this organization. You know, there's always something going on and typically it's surrounding number eight and there's no exception here. So yeah, we might as well dive right in and and address this off the top because, you know, look, you and I were in somewhat of a disagreement about how we should handle this on the pod, you know, and I, I certainly respect it, respected and respect your thinking with not wanting to further accelerate the conversation and speculation surrounding Lamar and the quote unquote leaked reports out there from the organization that he was apparently skipping treatments for his knee, which is not the case. So while that was certainly one option we could have taken, I just felt so compelled, so, so strong about my take on this that I really wanted to kind of get on my soapbox, like we said in in Thursday's morning vault. And I appreciate you allowing me to do so because I just felt like with so much information and misinformation swirling around, why not as a podcast that, you know, we've made a little bit of a splash here in the last few months and we've developed a voice and an audience, you know, why not try to nip this in the bud? And I, and I think we did an okay job at doing that, but now we got to go back in and do what we said we would. Right. And that's follow up after the report. Yeah. I think that the mutual or the respect is mutual, right? It goes both ways. And I think that just to be clear on, on, you know, what the disagreement was, we both 100% heard the, on Twitter or on social media, heard the radio 
uh, speculation. And as you said, the quote, leaked news. Okay, what that rumor was doing, and it really was a rumor, makes both Lamar and the Ravens look terrible. Okay, it was making Lamar look either lazy with a bad work ethic, or it makes it seem like he's suddenly slow walking or milking his injury in a way to protest his contract situation. Meanwhile, it looks the makes it look like the Ravens are, you know, terrible as if they would leak such information to try to make Lamar look bad. When in reality, none of it was true. And we know that more now with this new report that came up. So you can kind of go about this in one of two ways. You can, so to me, the analogy I gave is like, if you hear that, let's say a, a wife is cheating on her husband or somebody puts that out there with absolutely no basis. Do you go ahead and say, hey, I don't think this has any basis, but I'm going to repeat it with me saying I don't think there's any basis? Or do you say, you know what, I'm not even going to repeat it because that just solely's the person's name. So I wanted to, to, to wait on that. But I don't think it was wrong for you to say I want to nip it in the bud because sometimes the rumors get out of control so much that even if you didn't participate in spreading it, it becomes so widespread that you have to nip it in the bud. So, so you, you're nipping it in the bud probably came, you know, 12 hours before me wanting to nip it in the bud because, you know, more substantiated reports came out. So either way, we both knew that something was wrong and fishy about the whole thing. Okay. So why don't we just go ahead and kind of dive into this follow-up report now from the Baltimore Suns, Mike Preston, because Sarah, we are where we are right now in large part due to Mike's words, both in written form and spoken form. He sits in on 105.7 The Fan, which is the radio station that this first kind of came to be, right? This whole leaked speculation, which is just bogus. He sits in on The Fan on Monday mornings and their, their Monday morning quarterback segment. And not only did he kind of perpetuate this, this rumor on the air, but also in his columns as well for the Baltimore Sun that that got this conversation started, which is right. It's opinion versus fact. He was giving opinion based on prior reports prior in like, I'm talking like 2021 reports that Lamar maybe wasn't with the whole bone bruise thing as thorough as he should be with that rehab, with that training regimen. 2021 is not 2022. And so I just felt like, you and I talked about this at length offline, and I feel like we're in such agreement that, man, when it comes to content creation, deciphering opinion versus fact has to be paramount. And I felt like and feel like he fell short in those categories in, in the last week or so. Right. Well, and I'll, I'll get to a line in here in his report that kind of speaks to that. But let's first let's run through. So basically what what this is, is very different from Mike Preston giving his opinion. Okay, oftentimes journalists will wade into the opinion world and then oftentimes opinion columnists like Mike Preston, that's the vast majority of what he does. Oftentimes he will, you know, come into the, the journalism world. So to fully say, you know, to, to, to fully write off Mark, Mike Preston uh, or fully believe him, you kind of have to be a little bit more nuanced than that. So this all started with some of his opinion. And it's clear to me, uh, you know, that somebody at the Ravens reached out 
And so now he wrote a report. This is different from opinion. So now he has a report. And here there were about five um, things from a source that reached out to him that they uh, gave to, to Mike and he reported on. So this is from a source. This is not from Mike himself. This is a source. The first thing, which is probably the biggest, because the rumors were is that Lamar Jackson was skipping his treatments. Okay. The first thing that this source said was that Lamar Jackson has perfect treatment attendance. Perfect was the actual word that they used. They said that he's been to all the all the recovery um, sessions. He's complied with every all the uh, recommendations to you know treat his knee and to get better. Literally, the word was perfect. So uh, it was not true that he is currently skipping out on treatments. Number two, the source said that trainers, the team trainers, believe that Lamar Jackson is on target for a four to six week recovery, which the source said is normal. Now, we've been hearing through other reports, never came from the team itself, but from Ian Rappaport, among others, we've heard that it was a one to three. So this source says some players have returned after three weeks. And the source said the team was hopeful for that. Like the, the team was hopeful that he'd be back for either Atlanta or the Steelers, which is still coming. So the team was hopeful for that, but the doctors were concerned about pushing him given his position, which is very important, especially in the playoffs, and given his style, which is, you know, a a guy that obviously throws, but let's not forget that Lamar Jackson is the leading rusher still on the Ravens despite missing all these games. So with his, you know, quickness and his slashing and and juking people and, you know, being able to scramble and do some designed runs, you know, that's different from a statue quarterback. You know, a statue quarterback from, say, a Tom Brady who just, you know, does a three-step or five-step drop and and throws. That's not Lamar Jackson's style. I don't think anybody would call him a statue quarterback. So, so the team was hopeful for three weeks, but they didn't want to push it given his position and style. Number four, it said that Lamar will probably need another MRI before being cleared to practice. And then number five, the Ravens still plan on negotiating a long-term contract with Lamar after the season. So those are the updates. What's your take on those after hearing that, Bobby? Well, first and foremost, obviously, it's it's great and it's relieving that he's been cleared, right? His name has been cleared of this slander that, that we mentioned uh, you know, earlier on in this episode and in yesterday's Morning Vault as well, because if he was actually skipping out on training sessions and rehab sessions for that knee, I mean, he'd not only would he be half-assing the, the rehab, but he'd also be really given up on his team in a lot of ways. And I don't know how his teammates would have looked at him like, and plus we would have had to go back to the drawing board as to how we view Lamar Jackson. Right. And we, we knew this all along was false, was bogus, uh, but it's just nice to get that confirmed and, and specifically for Lamar himself, obviously. And then that second note that you wrote down here about the fact that he's on target for a four to six week recovery, you know, that's obviously different than Ian Rappaport's recent reporting of that one to three week timetable. And we are sitting here in our fourth week now with Lamar down, Sarah. So if it's on the tail end of this recovery timetable for Lamar and it ends up being six weeks, the title of our morning vault from Thursday this week certainly is still in play. And that was... Lamar may be, this may be it for him 
this year. You know, we may not see him again this season. Six weeks would be, you know, outside of the wild card playoffs. So, or right around it. So, um, you know, that certainly stood out to me. But I see in our notes here, we both have highlighted one specific paragraph from the follow up report uh, from Preston. And I'll go ahead and read that and then we can kind of break it down. Uh, quote Because he failed to return from an injury a year ago, there was speculation that Jackson had adopted a similar strategy this year and missed rehab sessions with the training staff. There was also concern that his failed negotiations on a long term contract was a factor. Close quote, by the way. This is the paragraph that you and I both pulled. This to me seems like it's more just speculation and opinion without any merit. Yeah, this one stood out to me because it's it sounds like, which I never saw this report last year, but but it sounds like from this article and from what I've seen other people tweet, that Lamar did miss treatment sessions last year i still don't know whether that's true number one number two if he did miss those treatments what's the context behind that because we all remember seeing that video come out when lamar tried to go back and play and somebody had had showed a video of him in practice and it was like, oh, no, he's he's not coming back. He's not coming back. Like, he had tried to come back. And people had asked him about it later. He's like, man, I wanted to be out there for my teammates. and But the doctors had to shut him down. But I still vividly remember that video where he is not looking good in practice at all. And so shortly after that, so they had to shut him down. He couldn't play. Shortly after that, the Ravens were eliminated from, from the playoffs. And so I don't know. Number one, even if he did miss treatments last year, was it after this? Was it after they were already eliminated? Was it after he already knew he wasn't coming back? What did he do treatments on his own? I mean, all, I mean, there are legitimate reasons that he could have missed them if he did. Okay, so let's say, for argument's sake, that maybe he did miss them last year. What this paragraph is, is essentially saying is that there was speculation he had adopted a similar strategy the last year. Speculation, well, as far as I can tell, Mike Preston is one of the roots of that speculation. He doesn't even put himself in this. He's acting as if the speculation was outside of him. But as far as like I can tell, unless somebody else can find it elsewhere, this season's speculation seemed to start with in his own column and on the radio. So, so I, I just, you know, I just find it hilarious that it's like there was speculation. So, so basically people were taking what may have happened last year and applied it to this year. Then it makes it to the radio saying that news leaked. That's what he's doing when it was all based off of something last year. And we don't even have context to what happened last year. It's all lazy. It's all careless. It's all careless. It's carelessness with people's reputations. Like I said, it makes Lamar look bad. It makes him either look lazy or it makes him look like he's, you know, not there for his teammates, even though everything he's done up to this point, he has always put his teammates first. Always. Always. And some would say maybe even to a fault. 
And then it makes the team look bad because the radio station's like, oh, the news the news was leaked from somebody over there. When in actuality, this was all cleared up from clearly a team source where the team is here to help cl- clear his name. But everybody just keeps wanting to pit these two, these two sides against each other. Yes, they disagree on contracts, 1,000%. Does that get frustrating? I'm sure it does. It's frustrating for us on the outside. We just want it to be done. It's got to be a million times more frustrating and hard to go through, whether you're Jackson or the front office. So I'm sure it's frustrating. But, in it, but it's constantly pitting these two against each other. Constantly. Yes, there's probably frustration. I don't see hostility. And so, like, people start to think that Ravens are trying to make him look bad. Oh, he's, he's, he's going to skip out to, to force the team. Here's one thing that I've learned from this, Bobby. There is a certain group of people who believe that Lamar Jackson 100% should not be playing this year without a new contract. I respect that point of view. It's what many players do. They hold out. They hold out in training camp. They'll hold out in mini camp, or they'll hold in. Here's what I've learned from Lamar Jackson during this entire year. Whether you like it or not, holding out or holding in is clearly not his negotiating style. He wants a fully guaranteed contract. Great. Keep going for it. We all support him in that. But guess what? You can't keep telling him what his negotiation style should be. And, they, and, and the media and some, some fans keep pushing this. Oh, yeah, he's, he's holding out when he didn't come to mini, mini, camp, mini camp. And he's like, no, I just wanted to do it in Florida. I've got a guy who trains me, and I've got a personal quarterback coach. And by the way, every time he comes back with his, from his quarterback coach, he seems to have an awesome arm. Like his technique is just better, all of that. So, so I get it. Then they're like, well, why are you here at training camp? Why are you here? Because I don't, I don't want to leave my, teams, my teammates out to dry. I'm not going to do that to them. And I love football. Oh, well, then he's got to be holding in. No, he's not holding in. He helps. He's, he's basically the first half of the season Superman, right? Like he always is. So then he gets injured. Oh, it can't be that he's out longer because his injury is more serious. Maybe it's a, sp- a grade two sprain instead of a grade one. But instead of thinking, oh, maybe it's a grade two sprain, it's like, oh, well, he's, he's clearly... This is the way of holding, holding out again. No. When are we going to learn? That is not Lamar's negotiating style. It is for some, and it might be legitimate, but it's not Lamar's. So quit trying to put it on him. So anyway, that's my take on that. And as you said, Bobby, the timeline does differ from what we heard from reports. Let's remember those reports have always come from outside sources what John Harbaugh has consistently said is he's doing his, his coaching thing. From the beginning, he said, Lamar is not season ending, but he's week to week. He's week to week. And then originally he's like, it's not impossible this week, but probably not. And then after that, he just kept saying week to week and he got vaguer and vaguer. So I guess here's my question to you. Cause I get this question a lot from fans. Harbaugh being vague. It's clearly what he does. It's clearly what a lot of, of, of coaches do. Fans would prefer that he is more transparent and is upfront about injuries. Do you think he should change his style and be more upfront to avoid the type of speculation that we've been in the last couple of weeks? Selfishly, us and this entire fan base want transparency, right? Because it leads to you could you could certainly make the argument that it leads to you know more harm 
than not in this regard. And I guess it's exhibit A this week, right? With Mike Preston and the radio and everything we're talking about in the first part of this episode. But we also know on the contrary, and you kind of reminded me of this recently, John's gone with the transparent approach before. And how'd that work out with Brashad Perryman, you know, for example? (laughs) So in a lot of ways, you know, you take the emotional side out of this, Sarah. And I think you can see from a strategy standpoint, why he does this. It's gamemanship. It's coaches speak. You know, it's it's the competitive fire from within him. He wants every single week that Lamar is down, he wants the opponent to ensure that they spend at least a portion of their week preparing for number eight. Right? Like that's what he wants. And so I respect that. I get it. And I'm okay with it. It doesn't it, it doesn't make it easier to accept for us and for the fan base and for those who you know, are anxious about Lamar's future and, and his current health status. But I do feel like, hey, if he's the architect of this franchise, I guess the front oh, I guess the general manager is the architect. But if he's the leader and the front facing you know person for this franchise, he has an obligation to you know to win games and to, you know disguise his organization to the opponent as much as he possibly can while staying within the rules. So I'm okay with it. How about you? Yeah, I I feel like injuries are a no-win situation when it comes to, you know, coaches talking about it and all that. Um, There's a reason why the NFL has implemented an injury report. You know, it is because this gamemanship is real. And so you have an injury report. And if I were the head coach, I would every single time just be like an injury report will come out <laughs> because as you said with Perriman, like you can try to be up front, but if a timeline doesn't turn out to be what you expected it. Okay. So you have this with Lamar Jackson and it's like, you hear from Ian Rappaport, it's one to three weeks. Well, maybe, you know, it didn't heal the way that you wanted it to, or maybe, you know, it was more of a, you know, a four of a six week thing, like going through all those details week in and week out with every single injury, this and that. And then somebody's body, these, their bodies again are not machines. So number one, you're going to be wrong pretty often because players' bodies are not machines. Number two, I do believe in the gamesmanship because if it wasn't real, all coaches, 32 coaches would just stand up and, and give the information out. None of them do it. None of them do it. Number three, Harbaugh is more honest in the offseason <laughs> because the game and ship is no longer there. Uh, and then as the season goes on and more and more is on the line, he becomes more and more and more tight-lipped. So, um, I, I, yeah, I just don't think it's a, in any type of way a winning situation. And sometimes I do feel like there's a segment of people that just feel like they're entitled to it <laughs> and get angry at him over it. And they don't understand why... He doesn't just say it. And I honestly don't understand why people don't get it, uh, you know? So you just got to have to like more adjust yourself and not panic, you know, and not, and not freak out if a timeline you heard from the NFL network or ESPN or wherever else, if it doesn't, if there's like a week past that or two weeks past that, that's when panic sets in. And you just have to continually remind yourself that, you know, the players' bodies are not machines and you can give general predictions. Doctors can, but, it's not always going to come out the way you want. So as much as all the speculation 
has been terrible. I just don't, I, I wouldn't, if I were the head coach, I would just be like, check the, the injury report <laughs> unless it's the off season. So anyway, yeah. but so obviously now Bobby Lamar is not going, let's transition into the game. This is a preview <laughs> of a game, <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's good that we addressed all this. It was, it was important. Obviously Lamar is not playing Sunday against the Steelers. So that makes it tougher to get a win. But kind of looking at this from 10,000 feet up, there's a lot of stake, a lot at stake here for both teams. So for the Steelers, they're trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. And then they're also trying, or Mike Tomlin, I'm sure, is trying to avoid his first losing season as a 16-year head coach. So this is how it breaks down. If the Dolphins win at the Patriots Sunday afternoon, because remember, Ravens aren't playing until Sunday night. If Dolphins win, the Steelers would already be eliminated from the playoffs. So once they play against Baltimore, they'd already be out. So we got to keep watching that that Dolphins-Patriots game. If the Dolphins lose, then the Ravens can be the ones to try to eliminate the Steelers from the playoffs. Now, apparently, according to ESPN Stats and Info, the Ravens have knocked the Steelers out of postseason postseason contention three other times. I would love to make it a fourth, Bobby. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Oh, man, I mean, no wonder why the NFL, you know, there was some speaking of speculation, which is apparently is our word of the day, word of the episode. Um, you know, some folks within the fan base were thinking, oh, wow, the game's been flexed. Like maybe the NFL knows or thinks Lamar is going to be back for this. Well, clearly that's <laughs> yeah. not the case. At least we think again, at the time of this taping, he has not been ruled out, but we're not expecting him to play for obvious reasons. So um, maybe it's just, hey, it's Raven Steelers. Harbaugh has wanted a Sunday night football showdown in Baltimore between these two teams for quite some time now. He didn't lean into that at all. Jonas Schaefer from the Sun did his best to kind of get after him a little bit and try and get an answer out of him earlier this week uh, to no avail there. But we all know he wants this under the primetime lights. And so not only is it the, you know, the, the, the storied rivalry aspect of this matchup, but like you said, you know, the Ravens can continue to improve their chances at, you know, a a higher playoff seed. And the Steelers have pretty much everything to play for at this point. And uh, the fact that Mike Tomlin, 16 years running, Sarah, like you said, is in danger of his first losing season, especially with how rough Big Ben looked at the time, you know, at, at the tail end of his career is a testament to who he is and what he is as a head coach. And he talked about uh, some of those postseason odds during his weekly press conference this week, and he was businesslike as always. No, we're going to focus on the things that were with, with our, in, in our control, and that's our preparation. And then what we do inside the stadium on Sunday night, we acknowledge all those scenarios and things exist, but all of those scenarios and things have existed since September 11th. Since we started the season, every time you step on the field, there's high urgency. Uh, you get 17 opportunities to state a case for yourself. We have lived in that urgency. We understand it. Um, so we're not going to waste any time talking about it. We didn't waste any time talking about it in September. We're going to f- stay focused on preparing and then ultimately playing this game. Sarah, I feel like I say this every time we cover him, but his press conferences are literally a they're, they're like artwork. It's it's a masterpiece to see the way that he puts these things together before he actually takes questions. And again, this is for his Wednesday press conferences. So like this is the first look at like whatever upcoming game he has, uh, you know, for, for the weekend before he even gets questions. 
takes questions. He literally puts together like a 10 to 15, sometimes 10, 15 minute long monologue on the upcoming opponent. He looks back at the week before and it's the most organized, brilliant thing. I could listen to this dude talk all day long. Yeah, it is interesting because it's not what we know in Baltimore, right? I mean, it's always been like coaches go up there maybe once in a while. They'll have a little opening thing to say, but more often than not, it's just like, hey, how everybody, how's everybody doing? What questions do you got? You know, and he definitely comes prepared. He's got a vision. He's got thoughts. He's got all of it. And you do. I mean, I feel like I do. I learn a lot from him. In fact, we got another quick quote here that came from his opening monologue, as you said, um, some of his thoughts on Mark Andrews, which I, I thought were very interesting. We also acknowledge, man, that Mark Andrews is a significant guy for them in the passing game. He always has been, and, and even through some of their quarterback instability, continues to be dangerous vertical threat. Um, he, I think to, to label him as a tight end is kind of, you know, is kind of disrespectful to his talents. He's kind of a number one receiving option. Um, he's like Travis Kelsey, if you will, or that young guy in Atlanta. You know, their their skill set and the plays that they make, you know, are kind of caged in if you describe them in a tight end sort of way. And so um, we've got some work there to try to minimize him. Mark Andrews is clearly more than, like, if you talk about just a general tight end, I mean, you could be talking about somebody like a Nick Boyle, right, who obviously we haven't seen this year much of, but uh, you can think of a Nick Boyle or you can think of a Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey. And they're two totally different guys, two different ways of contributing. I agree with Mike Tomlin. I think a lot of, I think there's a segment of people that won't like it because sometimes people will use the fact that Mark Andrews is the legitimate passing target. They will use that to justify not getting Lamar, a traditional outside, you know, top tier wide receiver. And so, and so you almost, in order to argue that Lamar deserves that, some will downplay Mark Andrews' talents and what he can do, and I just think both can be true at once. I think Lamar needs more targets, period. You can't just have Mark Andrews. But I don't need to downplay Mark Andrews' talents or downplay what he brings to the team in order to argue that Lamar Jackson deserves an outside receiver. Uh, I, I don't need to do that. I think both can live at once so but I like that as an opposing coach you know he has to recognize that he has to recognize that or else Mark Andrews will wreck his defense but having said that Mark Andrews has not been wrecking defenses in a long time definitely since Lamar went down Mark Andrews and Tyler Huntley do not have the same chemistry as Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson Mark Andrews was clearly upset last week when he was in the end zone screaming for the ball and Tyler just didn't get get it to him or tried too late. But I would like this I would like to see this become a get right game for Mark Andrews. I want to see him score a touchdown. He has not scored a touchdown since week six. six. Yeah, against the Giants. Now again, that doesn't mean he's not doing anything. Obviously, he's drawing attention from from defenders, but he and and Tyler Huntley need to get on the same page for sure. I want to see him bust back out and remind everybody why he is a top-tier target and has the respect of Mike Tomlin. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Week six, I mean, it's almost as hard to believe as the drought that finally came to an end last week against Atlanta. The fact that, you know, through the air, a Ravens wide receiver hadn't logged a touchdown since week three. I mean, two streaks that are just ridiculous, but because of how much of a staple Mark has been in this Lamar Jackson led offense over the last five years, I think that's probably the bigger surprise of the two that's actually a big that's kind of a good conversation good debate for another time Sarah which is the more surprising <laughs> between those two droughts right oh oh I, yeah probably Mark Andrews <laughs> I would think well how, how about always, this instead you know, Sarah what what which is more sad well I think we know the answer to that <laughs> you know on to Roquan Smith, though, because he has one Ravens-Steelers rivalry game under his belt a, a few weeks back when these two teams met in Pittsburgh. He had five tackles, three of which were solo, a sack, of course, that knocked Kenny Pickett out of the game, not immediately, but uh, not long after, which forced him out of the game and into concussion protocol for what I believe ended up being a game and a half because he started and beat the Raiders last week on prime time uh, he also had a tackle for loss Roquan did in this first time around and uh, two pass deflections as well he talked about the rivalry even though he is really new to it he did talk about it this week it's definitely a physical game uh, playing those guys because I even remember from being being like a kid watching the uh, watching the games uh, the Pittsburgh and uh, Raven, Ravens Pittsburgh game and seeing that and I always knew it was a very physical game and just being out there I think it's just like any other game but you definitely feel like it's some slugger knockers like you know the guys want to run right at you test your manhood in a sense but you know I love that I live for that doesn't he just fit right into Baltimore Sarah <laughs> He totally fits in. Kind of made me laugh there with a couple of things. He said slugger knocker. I think the term is slobber knocker, which is still kind of a funny term. I used to remember the first time I heard it and I was like, what's that now? A slobber knocker. <laughs> yeah. And then at first I remember, cause you know, I tweet these things live. I was like, did he say touch your manhood or test your manhood? And I was like, yeah, yeah I think he said test your manhood. That would, that would make a lot more sense here. So, yeah, I mean, he fits right in because, listen, his 
on like I'm pretty sure the first series he knocked um Kenny Pickett out with a with a concussion. Uh, you never want to see anybody go down with any injury, let alone a concussion. But I mean, that just he just set the tone right there. I think Pickett came back on for the second series, but you know had to leave again. He had one attempt, one passing attempt in this first matchup, and it's because Roquan Smith just brought in like that Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs nastiness from from the Steelers or from the Ravens defense. So I like it, man. He he's bringing the the slobber knocker back let's get it he's a total thumper and as we've covered extensively in recent weeks this defense has really been transformed in season thanks to this uh pre-deadline acquisition for the ravens front office so continue to see what he can do and specifically you know a key to the win just a little hint hint here is certainly for me going to be a defensive minded we'll get to that in just a second but why don't we talk you wanted to kind of run through uh, sort of the big picture numbers wise, rankings wise between uh, some categories here between the two teams. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick before I do that, I did forget uh, I was open this, this up transition from the Lamar conversation to this by talking about what's at stake and we reviewed what's at stake for uh, the Steelers, but real quickly on the Ravens side, what's at stake is just playoff seating. They can't become the number one seed. They can't become the number four seed. That's for the AFC South champ. Basically, the the chances of the Ravens winning the AFC North and getting that third seed is 35.5%, whereas the Bengals' chances are 63.6%. So where the Ravens look most likely to land is either the number five or number six seed. They both have 29.4% chances for both those two seeds. Bobby, there's a big difference between being number three, which is still in play, or even number five or six. Because number six, I believe, is going to play the number three seed in the wild card. Yeah, because number seven plays number two. And so would you rather play the number three seed is either going to be the Bengals, Chiefs, or Bills. Okay? So if you're the number six seed, you're playing one of those three teams, depending on how things shake out. If you're the number five seed... You're playing the 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 AFC South champ, and the AFC South is just like nobody wants to win this same thing. Right now, it looks like it's going to be Jacksonville. So, listen, if you you know, it's a big deal between being the number five or number six seed. And if you don't think that the Ravens can beat the Bengals in Week 18, then they're going to need this because if they play the Bengals. Again, in the postseason, it would be back-to-back games against the Bengals. If it ends up the Ravens are number six and the Bengals are number three, then one week after playing in the season finale, they will play in the wild card round. So, you know, the Ravens need this to to avoid that. I would I would way prefer to play Jacksonville. I mean, eventually, you got to play the best to beat the best, but there's no reason to give yourself a harder road than you need. So, just from a from a big picture standpoint, Ravens offense is ranked number 17 in the league right now. They will be going up against the Steelers' number 18 defense. I feel like the, the Steelers' defense are, is, feels better than number 18, but maybe that's just because the Ravens' offense has, has not been able to put up points. So it's the number two Ravens' offense against the Steelers' number six rush defense. Ravens are number 28 pass offense, and the Steelers are number 23 pass defense. So there, there goes there. Now on the on the other side, let's flip all those. Steelers are just the number 23 ranked offense 
against what is now the number 10 ranked defense, which just keeps getting better and better and better in the Ravens. I remember pretty sure the defense ranked number 32 at early the season. I remember when they gave up all those leads uh, to Miami and like since they've nipped that in the bud and since Ro- Roquan Smith has been back, the defense just keeps getting better and better. So uh, that's good there. Rush offense, you would think that the Steelers would be better with Najee Harris, but it just the offensive line just hasn't been opening up holes for him, and that hasn't been getting together. So they're just average at number 18. Ravens rush defense is three, and then pass offense uh, for the Steelers is just number 24. Ravens pass defense is also number 24. That that matchup makes me a little bit nervous. So those are the kind of big big picture rankings. So Bobby, why don't you take us into uh, your key matchup? Yeah, to me, I'm going to go back to what I saw a few weeks back in Pittsburgh. And that was George Pickens have a day. You know, he and Deontay Johnson feasted. They certainly did. It didn't matter really that Kenny Pickett was tossed out of this game, right? Because of, uh, you know, concussion protocol and that sack that Roquan Smith laid down on him. Still, these two guys, you know, had a day. They combined for nine receptions, well over 100 receiving yards. Deontay led the way with, with six receptions. George Pickens with three. Uh, but Pickens had that long of 42. And we remember Marlon Humphrey on the outside, you know, sure didn't look like Marlon Humphrey that we're used to seeing. And I think, you know, sometimes these bigger body, rangy, you know, dominate 50-50 ball kind of wide receivers, he can have, <coughs> uh, they, they can give him a challenge uh, on the outside. And so, you know, inevitably when those two match up again, I think I'll be watching that closely because there's no Marcus Peters. And we know after Marlon in the cornerback room, depth-wise, it's it's a challenge right now for this team. It's It can even be seen maybe as a weakness, even though Brandon Stevens has stepped up admirably. Yeah, I want to make that clear since since Marcus went down. So that's mine. How, what's yours? All right, well, two things. Number one, I swear I thought I hit mute and I just coughed right next to the microphone and you just kept going like a pro. So my apologies. <laughs> Number two... Was that the game where Marlon tweeted, sorry, guys, I was a liability today? I think it was It anyway. was after that game. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because we were talking him up about how he's been playing at an all pro level. We had a whole section on him and then and then he didn't play great against the Steelers, but he's bounced back. And so, you know, he's he's been, I'd say, all season long, been playing at a pro bowl, all pro bowl level. And uh, minus that that Steelers game. So this would be a good game that, you know, I'm sure he'd want to get back. But if you hadn't picked it, I would have had this this key matchup too, Bobby, because this is what scares me is, you know, with, with Marcus Peters down, that last game with Mitch Trubisky since Roquan had knocked out Pickett, they were moving the ball. But you'll remember the Ravens got three interceptions. Uh, they also got a blocked field goal. And so th- those th- those really helped them barely eke by with that 16 what was it that that time 16 16 14 16 14 yep 16 14 win so that's a big one that's a big it's gonna be another big one on on Brandon Stevens too Brandon Stevens played well last week but it was against a worse passing offense than what the Ravens have so so yeah between George Pickens and Deontay Johnson and uh the tight end like all of them it's it's a lot so that's why my matchup will be uh, Kenny Pickett versus the linebackers, whether it's the inside linebackers, the outside linebackers. Um, Kenny Pickett, we really didn't get a, t- a taste for what he can do since he was knocked out so early, but he then missed the following week with concussion symptoms. And then he came back last week against the Raiders and 
no single wide receiver or tight end went off last week, but Kenny Pickett looked pretty. He had he had five plus target to four different players last week. So, you know, he showed me that he can spread the ball around. And with, you know, without Marcus Peters back there, I love all the safeties that the Ravens got. It, that makes me a little bit nervous. So I think that the secondary is going to need some help from their linebackers, getting lots of pressure on Kenny Pickett. Uh, getting, you know, more more interceptions would be great. I know that Roquan and Patrick Queen both got interceptions uh, the last time the Steelers played. Uh, but again, that was to Mitch from Mitch Trubisky. So just need pressure, 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 and try to rattle him to help out the uh, the secondary in the back end. All right, so Bobby, what is your key to a win? I think it's right along the lines of what we're saying. You know, obviously it goes without saying that the Ravens are going to rush the football. You know, they're going to give a healthy dose of carries to their running back by committee approach, you know, with Dobbins hopefully leading the way and, and Gus Bus getting some chunk yards like he did against the Falcons. He's running really well and violently and and even Justice Hill getting involved in there. I would have to think that the Kenyon Drake is going to be the odd man out yet again as a healthy scratch with that room looking you know, healthy and spry somewhat, you know, take that with a grain of salt. JK is not anywhere near fully healthy yet, as he's discussed uh, recently. But uh, anyway, so knowing that that's a mainstay, right? We, we know that's going to be the case. I don't know if that's going to be enough. It will become enough if this defense can get into takeaway mode. And like you said, they forced three of them forced Pittsburgh into three turnovers. Mitch Trubisky was throwing the ball around the yard, but he was doing so recklessly uh, after he came in uh, for Kenny Pickett. So um, I, I do think it's going to be trickier with, with Kenny under center and to, 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 to have him, you know, to force him to cough up the football because I think he's a smart player. He can, you know, I don't think he f- tends to force things as much as, as Mitch does and he can kill you with his legs as well, more so than Mitch. So Defensive takeaways, I think, could be the difference and and certainly a key for the Ravens in what will likely be yet another classic low-scoring Ravens-Steelers game. Another classic slobber knocker, if you will. Yeah, um, something like that. Yeah, Thanks, no, Roquan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My key to the win is red zone offense. The Ravens have been able to move the ball, even with Tyler Huntley in, I think the returns and of of J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards has gotten things going. Huntley's been able to do enough in the air to move the ball. But we just keep seeing it time and time and time again. They get into the red zone and have to settle for a field goal, which, by the way, is better than going for it on fourth and not not converting. <laughs> so, But you would like to see them actually score touchdowns. The Ravens are now ranked 30th in the NFL. They are the third worst red zone offense. And I just don't think they have to be. I absolutely don't think they have to be. When you are running the ball as well as you are, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, they should be able to to knock that thing in. I just feel like Greg Roman goes away from his bread and butter so often once he gets in there. So, and that's not all on him. I mean, the, I mean, even when they do pass, they need to execute. That was the one that we were talking about earlier. Is, is Huntley didn't throw it to to Mark Andrews in the end zone when he was there and open. So um, that to me is the key to the game. If the Ravens keep moving the ball the way they've been doing for weeks but then can actually convert those into touchdowns, then yeah, they'll they'll be able to, to pick up this game and pick up a very much needed win. All right. It's email time, Bobby, and then predictions. Who are we starting with here? Robbie Pate? Uh, Robbie just says, Bobby and Sarah, I want to thank you all for putting this Ravens podcast together as a native 
from Baltimore that that moved to Boston 11 years ago. I've been searching for a way to keep in the loop with the Ravens news, and this is it. Uh, definitely, definitely get emails like that a lot from people who don't live in the Baltimore area. So we're definitely happy to to provide that service. And then Robbie goes on to say that he admitted that he was doubtful that the Ravens would even be able to clinch a playoff spot when Lamar Jackson went down and was injured. That makes sense because that's what happened last year when he went down. But Robbie says, uh, I was proven wrong. Even though they have their offensive problems, this team time and time again has given the city a sense of hope. And that's what I love about this team. They never give up. That's well said, Robbie. Thank you for that email. Yeah, and I'll just say a double thanks for Robbie, too, because he's super active and engaged on my personal YouTube channel. So appreciate the love. Nice. Uh, our second one comes from our buddy Thor overseas. And the the <laughs> the, the title of the subject line is press conference passes and a worrisome holiday picture. <laughs> so a couple different things to extrapolate there. First and foremost, he expressed a little bit. And again, this was actually sent out on Christmas Day. And and as always, happy holidays to juniors out there. Happy New Year. We got a birthday coming up for my co-host here in a little bit. So looking forward to celebrating that accordingly. But uh, Thor and many others were a little bit worried about how Lamar was not seen in the Christmas Day graphic that Ravens Productions put out across all of its social platforms. And so I think I speak for you, Sarah, and probably a, a lot of us out there that while you could speculate all you want on that, there's really no reason to be worried about it or if it has any correlation with where he is right now physically or with the organization. I think it was just mostly, hey, Here's who we have right now. Here's who we're riding with, and and that's it. So don't don't read into that all that uh, all that much. And then also his other point was, and I'll just read part of what he had to say here. After hearing the story on how Bobby had his press privileges revoked after leaving traditional radio and not uh, getting it back after starting his own content creation empire. Ooh, I like that, by the way. He, he called it an empire or future empire, he says. Uh, hopefully it's a future <laughs> empire. It got me thinking that those who are in charge of these things are really out of touch with how much bigger technology has made the game outside of the U.S. He's been a Ravens fan since day one, and I've met Basically, his point here is not to ramble too much here is that, you know, without us, Sarah, he wouldn't really be able to be as plugged in as he feels he is with Ravens news because of some of the restrictions being overseas. And, and I think that's great. You know, we joked in our first couple of weeks and I'm, I'm actually not joking about it. I'd love to do this at some point. Uh, but that whole map, you know, that we had envisioned sticking little tacks into where we have listeners is something I think is really cool because we hear from so many folks that are outside of the United States that you know don't have direct access to daily coverage that um, that we're providing. So uh, that's great. And we're glad, Thor, that we can do this for you. And like we said, when we covered this within the last couple of weeks, the beauty of it is that we don't need access from the team to do what we're doing uh, because of some of our experience and because ultimately of, of what we can do digitally speaking. So we're excited about that opportunity. That said, uh, since I am the one that's in market and Sarah is out of market, if the team were to reach out and inquire about, you know, trying to come to some kind of agreement with press access, I, I would obviously listen and, and try to get there. So uh, that's that, Sarah. Bobby, could you imagine? <laughs> and maybe it, <laughs> Just on the the Christmas image, um, 
It's just hilarious to me that the theories that do come out out there, maybe because I worked inside the organization for so long. But like, I know all the people working in these different departments. Uh, now, I haven't been there for four years, but if the graphics department has the same typical makeup that it had when I was working there for 13 years, it's like young people trying to cut their teeth in the, in the industry. And I promise you, there wasn't some sort of like board meeting where Eric Tacosta is like, hey, guys. Yeah, I'm 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 moving on from from Lamar Jackson. So here's what I was thinking. Uh, when you guys do your Christmas image, you know, like, could you take Lamar out of it just to kind of send a message? Like, what? <laughs> what? Like, I promise you, nobody in the graphics department knows what's gonna happen. Knows what's gonna happen with Lamar. I bet Eric DaCosta still doesn't even know. I'm sure they're still holding out hope that something can be done. But it's like. Or instead of believing that whole thing went down, maybe it's just that the graphics team is like, hey, we're playing in a Christmas Eve game. Let's highlight some of the players that are playing today. <laughs> so it's just always funny to me. But Thor obviously wasn't the only one. I mean, that was all over on Twitter, too. But it's just funny. All right. So last email here from Jesse. Jesse says, hi, Sarah and Bobby. I love the vault and listen to every episode. Thank you so much, Jesse. He says, it seems to me doctors often allow players to play injured. So he kind of gets into this a little bit. I guess the person I think of most is like J.K. Dobbins, right? Since he came back from his scope. J.K. Dobbins is clearly not 100% healthy, but he's been cleared because he's still building up his hamstring. He's still building up you know, his muscles, he's still trying to get looser in this and that. So he's not 100%. He is not 100% JK. So Jesse is like the, the, I think the fan thinking is Lamar could end up in a situation where he can play with a painful swollen knee the rest of the year, or he could rest it another week or two and have it 100% or at least significantly closer to 100% for the playoffs. And by the way, Jesse sent this four days ago. So this is before all these reports that we already referred to early on. He goes, I believe the question fans are asking is, do we potentially want to have a 70 to 80% of Lamar limping around and not busting long runs as we try to win the division? Or do we want to wait longer to have 90 to 100% of Lamar? Okay. So I have always said there's two criteria that I, I look at is he medically cleared? And does the player feel comfortable? If you have both of those, they should play. He should play if he feels comfortable and he's medically cleared. And I think Jesse's right. There's some injuries where it like it can be painful, but isn't doing more damage. Right. So J.K. Dobbins, you look at him and he's like, he's not 100 percent, but he's been cleared and it's, he's not hurting himself. He's just building himself back up. So um, I think that that what Jesse's referring to. Yeah, there's a little bit of a, a, some give and take there. How much pain is there or is there no pain? You're just not at 100 percent. And so I think it's been pretty clear like what we talked about up top that the Ravens were hoping for like a three-week injury ordeal but it looks like it's going to be more in the four to six week range and will he be 100% probably not should he push that for the Steelers game well it depends how far away he is number one and number two if he's somewhat close is it really worth it for this Steelers game I don't think so I think basically the Ravens are going to be looking between the fifth and sixth seed to me, that's not worth bringing Lamar back uh, or pushing it, if you will. But by the time, if we get to that six week and, you know, he's still not 100%, but it's a playoff game. Yeah, if doctors medically clear him and he feels comfortable, whatever percentage that is, 
this is what this is what they're here for. It's for the playoffs. And so if there's no risk of further injury and he feels comfortable and he's medically cleared, then go on out there. But risking that for the fifth or sixth seed, I mean, potentially they still could win the third, as, as Jesse pointed out. So, but yeah, those those are decisions that I'm sure they talk about internally. But at the bare minimum, he's got to be medically cleared and Lamar's got to feel comfortable. And then 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 you just go from there with, with how close he is to 100% himself. Um, it's it's hard to tell. That'll do it for emails. And as always, you can hit us up at BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We try to get to at least uh, one session of kind of email review per week here on the show. So we appreciate your um, enthusiasm and and your effort in reaching out. And we might as well finish this thing off with my favorite segment of the week. And that is <laughs> predictions for this one. So uh, again, you know, 16 to 14 was the final a, a few weeks back when these two teams met in Pittsburgh, Sarah. And, you know, look, anybody who's predicting one, a blowout or two, a high scoring affair, God bless them. I mean, it just doesn't happen <laughs> all that often in, in these two, you know, in, in this rivalry. So, you know, much like I did with with Cleveland this year, I just I don't. Beating a team in division, much less you know a rivalry like this twice in in seventeen games, eighteen weeks in in under you know in one season is really difficult. And I do think the Steelers are going to steal one here because of what they have on the line. Now, obviously, they by the time kickoff comes around, because of the scenarios that you've already shared, their playoff hopes could be you know vanished, but. They're going to come ready to play. They have a ton to play for. Their rookie QB is, I think, kind of rounding into form. He's he's had a up and down year just based on availability wise and some of the, you know, obviously their decision to go with Trubisky off the bat. But I do think once once he gets a full season under his belt, he's going to be around for a while in the AFC North, and I think he's very capable. And I think he's going to be a big reason as to why the Steelers pull one out. Uh, in Baltimore on top of just a dominant defensive line with with guys that have just been game wreckers this year, including Alex Highsmith. We know TJ Watt has been battling injuries, but he's going to be out there. Cam Hayward, one of the best defensive ends in the game. I think the Ravens are going to have their work cut out for them uh, going up against those big boys up front defensively for Pittsburgh. So I will go with a, a Steelers victory here in week 17. I'll go 18 to 14 Steelers over the Ravens. How about you? All right. Well, spoiler alert. I'm going to predict a Ravens loss against the Bengals next week. And so perhaps... Because of that, I don't know, too, too, you know, hopeful because I don't want to think that the Ravens are going to drop their last two games of the season. So I'm going to predict a win. I think that based, uh, I think the Ravens are angry. I think they're ticked off at how much they're, they're underestimated, even with Lamar out. Mark Andrews, I'll predict it right now. I think he's going to get back and get a touchdown this week. I think he's so ticked off. And I think the way he even yelled at Huntley, I think they're going to make it a point to get him back involved. I think J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards just keep getting better. I think being at home helps. They're 18-5 and five with those black jerseys. 
That's that's a huge factor here, Bobby. Huge factor. <laughs> I, I just feel like they're 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 gonna get it done. Yeah, I just feel like they they have to. I feel like they have to. I think they know uh, it's a big deal, and I think they're angry, and I think they're still trying to get you know their offense back into form. So uh, I don't think they're gonna go crazy on offense. I think, as you said, it's gonna be a defensive game, but I think the Ravens pull it out, sixteen to thirteen. Obviously, hope that that they win because from an entertainment value that would certainly kind of bring things up a few ticks for the regular season finale against Cincinnati, you know, like for all the marbles for the division, that'd be a pretty great way just solely speaking yeah. to, to entertainment value uh, to finish out a regular season. But uh, you know, time will tell the, the fact that, you know, the, Mike Tomlin's group and under his leadership have yet to suffer a losing season is just spectacular. It's it's one of the 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 true great, you know, I would say in in all of football streaks that that anybody can kind of hang their hat on and and that's just it's super impressive. So, again, this is an 8:20 kickoff. This game has been flexed. So, make sure that uh, your New Year's Day plans are scheduled accordingly for this one. Uh, I am actually going to be at Pickett Brewing Company on Paca Street, a couple blocks outside the stadium from 5 to 7 p.m. at night. Maybe that changes your schedule a little bit, Sarah, since you had church obligations, uh, important obligations <laughs> uh, for, for the 1 o'clock game. So maybe we can talk about uh, linking up for the pregame show. But I know Kadri is going to be dropping by, so it'll be – uh, it'll be great to kind of connect with him in person and officially kick off 2023. So that is all for me, partner. I'll let you take it home. All right. Well, I'll just say this. It sure would be nice. There's no better team anywhere in this NFL to break the Steelers streak, break Mike Tomlin's streak than the Baltimore Ravens. That would just be poetic justice. So let's root for that. And uh, before we make it there, we will have another Friday morning Ravens vault. So look out for that. And then uh, in addition to Bobby's pregame stream, we will, of course, even though it'll be uh, probably be January 2nd by the time we finish up our postgame stream, uh, but we will have that. So watch, watch out for us for a live stream on YouTube to get to break down the game no matter what happens. So that is it for us. I am Sarah Ellison. Bobby Trossett, thank you for listening to The Raven's Vault.